Hello, everyone, and welcome to Navigating the Noise, a podcast series brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association. I'm Brian David Johnson, your futurist and host for the podcast. This is episode four of Navigating the Noise, where we're going to introduce you to your new employee slash customer slash client slash boss. Today on the podcast, we're going to be looking at the future of the workforce. Now, of course, this is incredibly important for the future of corporate housing and long-term rentals because it touches every part of what we will be doing in the future. It is our future employees, possibly our current employees. It is the future customer and client for sure. And for many of us, it could be our future boss. So we're going to dive in and think about the future of the workforce and what that might look like. As we do in all of our episodes, we will examine our subject from multiple angles, getting different perspectives and ideas. Then we'll dive in and we'll think about how you can apply it specifically to the future of corporate housing and long-term rentals. As usual, the podcast is broken into three segments. The first segment is called The Road Ahead, where I explore my future's work, looking outside the industry at a bigger picture, and I usually bring in a, a special guest to give us a different perspective on the subject. Next, Marianne Passy, the CEO of CHPA, and I will discuss the implications of these futures with industry leaders in our, our section called What Matters. And then finally, we'll wrap it all up with the pragmatic steps you can take today to prepare for the future in our final segment, Three Things to Do. And that's it. So let's get started. Welcome to The Road Ahead, where in this episode, we're going to to ask ourselves, how will the rise of the millennial generations over the next 10 years require us to change? How will it get us to change how we do business and who we do business? And how will the millennials want to work in the future? How will they want to work inside of the industry? And then how will they want to work in general so that we'll be servicing them? Now, we may not just talk about the millennials, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the date game, which is the difference between the generations. We'll put some links on the website of some very good sources and some social scientists and researchers who are very good about that. But as we know, the flow of the generations pretty much goes the greatest generation. And these were the folks who were fought in uh, great wars in World War II. Then we have the silent generation, which is a smaller generation between those, oftentimes called the gap generation. And then, of course, we have the baby boomers. This is a very large, large generation. After the baby boomers, we have Generation X. This is another, another gap generation. And then we have the millennials, the much talked about, often derided, but I think quite often millennials. And then coming up right on the heels of the millennials, actually coming up today is something called Generation Z, I believe is what people are calling it. So as I said, you can go to the website and we'll give some links to some different profiles of people talking about those. But what we're going to get into is to start thinking about the impact that this next generation might have on us. And I'm going to start with us talking about millennials. And with millennials, I just want to start off with the numbers. So here's some facts around millennials. So millennials will outnumber baby boomers by 22 million in the year 2030. 10,000 millennials turn 21 every day in the U.S. And here's the stat that I find most interesting, that by 2026, millennials will make up 75% of the global workforce. 75%. Think about that. That means the majority of the people who will be working in our companies and also the majority of people who will be utilizing 
corporate housing and long-term rentals will be millennials. And this is why I think this conversation is so important because we need to understand them because they will be different. Culturally, their backgrounds, what they value are different. And so one way that they're different is here's another stat. Millennials are the most racially diverse generation we've had. 56% of them are white compared to 73% of the baby boomers. Twice as likely to be Hispanic as older Americans. And here's something that's interesting, that millennials identify as African-American 15% versus 11% when it comes to the baby boomers, and, and 6% identify as Asian opposed to 4% when it comes to the baby boomers. So a definite shift to being more racially diverse. But from a cultural standpoint, here's something that's interesting, that 84% believe that helping make a positive difference in the world is more important than professional recognition. Also, 37% have been underemployed or out of work during the Great Recession. So this, to me, is also an interesting thing because the highest share among the group of the age group is more than 30 years. So what I mean by that is you have a generation, entire generation, that is really underemployed because of their of the of the 2007-2008 um, Great Recession. And adding to that. Millennials are carrying a total of $1 trillion in student debt. So they come into the world as we move into 2026, as they become a part of our workforce, they are quite different. And we're gonna talk about that with our guest. I had her come in because she has been thinking not only about millennials, but also Gen Z and has a really interesting perspective. But I wanna leave you with last two points, that millennials are generation who expects technology and connectivity. They have always had it. There's always been an expectation of technology and technology in their lives. Also, they expect a high level of personalization as well. Now, this doesn't mean that they're selfish. You know, I'm, I'm looking at you, baby boomers, who are also known as the me generation. It's not that. It's that they have always grown up being able to customize. Think about a smartphone. You customize your smartphone for whatever you want, but it's not just the apps on the smartphone. It's these services, it is businesses that have always said, you can customize it. You can have your uh, smartphone case, you can customize your shoes, you can customize your t-shirt. There have been a wide swath of businesses who have catered to intense personalization. So there's a level of personalization, much like a level of tech savvy that is really expected for those millennials. So to dive into this a little bit further and have a broader conversation, we brought on a special guest today. Julia Rose West is a futurist and design lead for the discovery domain at Ancestry. Through thoughtful research and well-formed strategies, she is working to define the vision and future of Ancestry's discovery space, which includes search, hints, DNA matching, and even user-contributed content. Julia is the co-author of the book, What the Foresight, and she has recently published her second book, Futures Thinking Playbook. Welcome to the show, Julia. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So earlier on this show, Julia, we've been talking about the future of the workforce, the future of employees, the future of workers, of uh, clients, and possibly even future of bosses all around the, the millennial generation. We started with the millennial generation, and we we're looking at how they will change the culture of the workforce, but also the preferences for what they might want and how our listeners might serve them. But it's been interesting, I know, in the work that you've been doing, you also see that the generation after 
this generation, after the millennials, the ones that are called Generation Z, you think they might also have an impact? Yes, definitely. Generation Z currently makes up the largest percentage of the population. Um, it's over 26%. And if we are talking about the future of workers, we should turn a critical eye towards Gen Z, as it'll be crucial for designing physical and digital spaces for them. Um, Gen Z's just to put it in perspective, are approximately eight to 24 years old today, and many of them are already in our workforce. So as a futurist and a strategist, what are some of the areas for our audience to consider when they think about designing the future with this generation in mind? Yeah, great question. So um, there, I think there are like three primary things. The first one is that they will choose lifestyles and careers which align with their values. So Gen Zs are really going to hold out for fulfilling work. Once they find that work, they're less likely to leave a company as long as the company's mission and work continues to align with their values. We've seen a lot of job and even career switching with the millennials, but Generation Z is projected to do a whole lot less of this, partly because they grew up during the recession and they're drawn to stability. If we examine this a little further, we see that they would rather take on new roles and challenges within an existing company than change companies. That said, we know that Gen Zers hold strong, stronger to their values typically than uh, millennials would. So if they leave a company, it's going to be, cut, be because it no longer aligns with their values. We also know that well over 50% of Gen Zers want to start or have started their own businesses. So they won't only be the users of of your um, company and the housing that you provide, but they'll also be the ones making the financial decisions as well. Another thing that um, we should consider is that this generation grew up with technology and they've only known life with technology. They're digitally native, which means that they're natural, naturally born researchers. So Gen Z knows how to conduct digital research. They're infobores. They're self-taught and they have a continually learning mindset, which makes them great entrepreneurs. Also because they're digital natives, they're, they're like citizens of the world, so they're more aware of what's going on globally, and they want to make impact and change at scale. What's interesting is you would think because they grew up with technology that they would be less social than previous generations, but actually a recent survey found that 74% of Gen Z prefer to communicate face-to-face -face with their colleagues. This might just be the generation that finds the right balance between interpersonal and digital communication. So what does this mean? It means that the one-size-fits-all um, workplace and corporate housing or hotel model doesn't necessarily fit anymore. It needs to be more of a flexible design. I wouldn't assume that all the work is going to be done off-site at the office. A lot of work will be done at the housing unit. And Generation Z needs small collaborative workplaces to meet, but they also need private rooms for head downtime. And then finally, I think the other thing to consider would be that Gen Z will not be defined, labeled, or put into boxes. And I've experienced this firsthand with some of my team members at Ancestry, but even things like being asked to identify gender in an online experience or a forum is considered insensitive or uncouth. They're less likely also to flaunt brands, but they want, because brands label them, but they want a connection with their brand when they do have one. And this extends into their work. What they do reflects who they are and defines their personal brand. So diversity is key. Taking 
the outside environment and bringing it into the housing experience should be considered. You know, this is why we see Airbnbs being so successful. Their live like a local mantra is attractive to people. Even people of my generation no longer want to go to the same hotel each time they travel. I stay in the, ho in the same hotel about once every two weeks. And regardless of the room I get, everything is the same each time, including the artwork. But workers of the future are looking for Mormon experience and less of a generic expected stay. So that idea that we can start to label people or box them in and say, this is the kind of experience they want is no longer gonna be available. And I would say those are the top three things to consider when designing the future for Gen Z. Yeah, and in that, you can see the opportunity, for sure, as you said, as you start to think about the spaces and places that people inhabit, that as we move into the future, especially with this generation, Gen Z, but also with millennials, you see that blurring between work and life, where that idea before you, you went to work and you came home, and then for many of the generation Xers, you would do the work from home, you would either work from work or work from home, but now there's a much bigger blur that there's this very porous uh, membrane between work and life, and as you say, many of these generations, because they're doers and makers, have started their own companies, so it becomes kind of a part of their life, which you can see now how a lot of the values that you've talked about kind of run through where they live and how they live. And one of the things I wanted to, to follow up with, uh, Julia, was to say, when you start to look at, you mentioned before the, the social responsibility, the connection mm -hmm. to community. Um, what are you seeing as, as you look out that the, the importance that that might play with, with these new workers? Yeah, social activism is huge. So we're gonna see a lot more companies publicly communicating what they stand for. Companies, if they aren't already, will be judged on their social responsibility. And Gen Zers with, you know, that much of the population share with their cohort are going to have the um, financial means to change that market. Yeah, I think it's, it becomes really important not only as you think about who your future clients or future customers might be, but as you start to pull together your team, that more and more you start to think about these things because, again, they will be the majority of that workforce. Futurist Julia Rose West for Ancestry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Your insights are really, really helpful, and I think they're going to give us a lot of raw material and a lot of, th a lot of things to think about and talk about. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Brian. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the What Matters section of the podcast where we take the broad futures that we just explored and figure out what, it mean, what does it mean to CHPA, what does it mean to our members, as well as the corporate housing and long-term rental industry just in general. And so to do that, what I'm gonna do is we're gonna bring on my co-host, Marianne Passy, the CEO of CHPA. Welcome to the show, Marianne. Hi, Brian. So in this episode, we're talking about millennials, and Gen Z. We're talking about the generational shifts that are coming in the future and how they will affect not only our customer and client base, but also our employees and maybe even our management and succession planning. And so we know that this shift is coming. We can see it even today as the millennials are starting to make their way into the job force and the workforce. So as we're seeing this happen, the question is, so what does that mean? What does that mean for the future of our employees and our clients, and where is that going? So 
To help us have this discussion, as we do in every podcast, we bring in different experts from within the industry to kind of figure out what matters. So, Marianne, who did you uh, who did you select for us today? Today, we've got Matt Singley and Colin Walker. They're joining us to share their perspectives. They are the founding partners of Pinnacle Furnished Suites, a corporate housing company based in Chicago, and also Chicagoland Property Group, a residential real estate brokerage. So Matt, a mechanical engineer by training, and Colin, an ex-professional baseball player with a degree in business management, created these companies together, and each of them manages one of them. And also, uh, recently, after years of explosive growth in Chicago, they expanded their corporate housing company to Nashville. So they've got a new take on how corporate housing should work and believe every customer should know exactly what they're walking into each and every time. So their company motto is corporate housing is not a product, it's an experience. And it's an experience that they work to make happen fast and efficiently. So they use HD photos, 3D tours of every unit. They've got a fun and friendly staff. And through this, they ensure that their clients enjoy the experience as well. So I thought it would be great to get their perspectives on today's podcast as they embody the entrepreneurial spirit found in our industry from their multiple businesses and their commitment to philanthropy and giving back to the communities in which they operate. Well, that's wonderful. So Matt and Colin, certainly it sounds like a, uh, certainly businesses for the 21st century. Thank you both for joining us on the podcast. today. Absolutely. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. So let's just dive right in. So, so Matt, I wonder, as, as you are kind of looking out, so what are you currently seeing these generational shifts? How are these new generations of millennials and, and Gen Z, how are these shifts affecting really your employees or your customers or your clients or maybe even your possible potential future boss what what are you seeing going on today uh there's a lot of a lot of shifts that i think have have taken place over the last 5 years and it's probably probably even speeding speeding up a little bit um i, I think our our background um in chicago land property group the the residential brokerage sort of helped lay the foundation for for how we ab- approached uh pinnacle furnished suites um, you know that business is based a lot on individual properties, individual units, selling individual parcels of real estate. Um, you know, there's not a lot of overlap between different units, and I I think that that background or that training kind of I guess helped put the the foundation in place for for how we approach Pinnacle and and what Marianne got into a little bit was, you know, we want all of our clients to see every single unit, know exactly what they're getting, and we kind of we feel that um, the newer generations expect that. You know, a lot of the historical the, the historical ways corporate housing has worked is, you know, you're going to rent a one-bedroom apartment at this building. You're maybe not going to necessarily know exactly what you're walking into. Um, we kind of felt with the way Airbnb and different companies were advertising and selling individual units that you know the the generational shift wants that so that's that's sort of how we approached our our advertising and marketing um so from the client side you know we do a lot more individual business than than maybe what a typical corporate housing company would do with with other corporations but we're finding that even even c-level execs from fortune 500 companies are now going out and and not even following their own you know procedures on on how to find housing they want to they want to go out there and find exactly what they want and we found that that approach i i think is helping us grow quicker and and probably 
getting a little ahead of the curve on on how maybe that that whole shift is taking place. Um, so that kind of covers the the client perspective. Um, you know, from the employee perspective, you know, Colin and I are are younger comparatively to some of the other companies, and we sort of believe in you know our employees getting getting their work done. We don't necessarily care how they do it or when they do it or whether it's between eight and five. Um, you know, we want to be there for our clients when they're calling, but if there's work that can be done at night or on weekends or they have a dentist appointment or something like that, you know, we want to create an environment that's kind of open and, and free from that regard. So I, I, I think the, you know, younger employees appreciate that kind of flexibility. Um, I suppose, you know, on, on the other employee front, we tried to create a, an office with and we've got a shuffleboard table and darts and foosball and, um, you know, different fun things to kind of let people relax a little bit. And I, I think that helps keep everybody happier and maybe even work a little bit longer and work harder. Um, so I think that covers at least two or two or three of the, the questions you had from a boss perspective. Um, I don't know that I can comment on that right now, but it certainly certainly will change as well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, give it time, it will. So yeah, you as you're seeing, yeah, these uh, the generational shifts that that maybe some of the millennial and, and Gen Z actions are kind of bleeding over into, like you said, the C-suite and maybe some Gen Xers and and baby boomers who now have this this kind of expectation of where things are going. That's uh, that's really interesting. So so Colin, let, let me throw it to you. So what what are you seeing with these generational shifts? What 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 things whether it be with employees or, or clients or anything like that what what are you seeing yeah yeah i mean to kind of touch base obviously you know we are millennials so we live in this generation and have grown up and kind of you know in the technology you know hub that we're living in and things right now and i think kind of the things that i see both on the real estate brokerage side and the corporate housing side is what people are generally looking for now is that they're willing to pay a premium for convenience, um, you know, walking to work, biking to work, um, having everything in one place, things like that. I mean, even if you go into other aspects of their lives, paying more for food so Postmates will deliver it for them, um, paying a premium on groceries so that a Peapot or Amazon will deliver it to their front door. These things are important um, because they value their social time with their friends they value giving back to their communities they value their time um just as much as they value the paycheck or you know um housing or things like that that come into their lives um so you want to kind of cater to that in a lot of different aspects obviously having inventory in places that you know give them access to you know the major corporations are going to be working for the startups and things like that they're going to be working for um, having resources for the clients outside of the physical housing, letting them know, you know, apps that are of use um, in the area, you know, options to get groceries quick, options to do things like that, you know, just anything to kind of, you know, ease their lives and make things more convenient for them so that they can do the things that are important to this generation and important to them personally. Um, I think that stuff's becoming really important. Um, and then kind of touching on the technology side, um, Marianne had mentioned a little bit, you know, the HD photos and tours and things like that, especially with a real estate background. I think it's important for somebody that comes in 
for both sides of the transaction to really know what they're receiving. I think that when, you know, you take a picture of a one bedroom in a property and then just say that's our one bedroom in the property for everybody that rents a one bedroom there, for example, you're going to get into more issues than just taking the time and giving somebody, you know, the view, the finishes, everything that they're going to be moving into. So when they move in, they see the couch where you said it was going to be. They say they see the things on the countertops where you said they were going to be so that they can get settled in and get to work um, because more, more often than not, they're coming in in a fairly highly stressful situation. They're moving to a new neighborhood. They're moving to a new city and they've got pressures at jobs and things like that. So we're not trying to increase those things in their lives. So I think making everything um, kind of easier from that standpoint and giving a level of convenience is something that uh, people moving forward more and more are going to be willing to, um, you know, pay a premium for or, you know, go with you over maybe maybe another company or something along those lines. Um, as far as, you know, an employee standpoint, um, in all of our companies, you know, Matt touched on it a little bit, but what we try to do is we try to create an atmosphere that allows for growth. Um, we try to keep it as stress-free as possible with a mindset that, you know, we still get work done, obviously, but having, you know, social events, having um, – we throw a we throw a concert every year with bands that we've become friendly with from Nashville. We bring them all up to Chicago and we throw a big show for vendors, partners, our employees um, from both companies and things like that, just to show them you know appreciation for what they do for us and you know to kind of give a little stress away and you know you know make them have incentives for you know doing you know, better and things like that. Um, but I think, you know, overall from an employee standpoint, both from your our personal employees and employees that we're dealing with on a client basis and things like that, I think it really does go back to, um, I think our generation likes a little bit more uh, of a sense of freedom, um, you know, to, to grow into their role and have, you know, some freedom over how they handle that role. Obviously, you still work for a company and want to stay in the culture and things like that. Um, but there's also that sense of kind of taking your role um, and making it its own and growing within the company boundaries, you know, per se, uh, to kind of, you know, do things to the best of your abilities and really, you know, show what you can do uh, and in turn be rewarded for that. So um, I hope that kind of helps on those two. Uh, Matt kind of touched on it. It's hard to give a boss answer because I guess we own the company. So <laughs> I don't have a boss technically. But uh, other than that, I, I hope those are helpful. and and kind of our thoughts on how the how we see that going. Yeah, thank you, Colin. That, that's actually really, really helpful. I mean, definitely understanding that as we go through this generational shift in both works, workforce and, and clients and people that are being served, that really what I'm hearing from both of you is that it's really about being flexible. It's really about kind of understanding, listening, being flexible, and then that flexibility kind of allows you to to kind of make those changes and, and meet the needs of whether it be an employee or, or somebody that you're serving. I also think it's interesting that there's this, uh, especially with the, uh, the generation that's coming, there's an expectation, as you, you both said, around technology, that this is a generation that's always had the internet. And if you give that person, give a, a millennial or Gen Z a screen, and it doesn't have connection to the internet, that's pretty much useless. And oftentimes we're beginning to see, you know, if you go to a coffee shop or you go to a property or somewhere and it doesn't have Wi-Fi, it doesn't have internet, then that coffee shop is broken. And that, that to me is just an oversimplified way of kind of thinking about there's that, yes, all generations have very similar 
um, traits as we kind of grow up and as we age and as we, you know, start families or we own houses or we move around. There's, you know, people don't change all that much, but there are some sort of wide generational shifts that, that, that do have an effect on, on, that, on that expectation. But I want to shift now, Matt, and move to the future. So you talked a little bit about the future and sort of bringing on employees, and this might actually might be where you think about succession planning and maybe your future bosses. But so over the over the coming years, so as you look out over the coming years, what are you hopeful about? I mean, as you as you both said, both both Matt and Colin, you both said you you are millennials, and certainly you're going to have more millennials and more Gen Z sort of coming in. So what are you hopeful about over the next few years with this generational shift? What what worries you? And then also, what, what actions are you taking? You mentioned some things around your workspace and, and the type of environment like that, but what are some other actions that you're, you're starting to take to prepare for that future? Well, I think there's a lot of actions that we can take now and, and continue to work on. Um, one, of the, one of the major areas where, where we spend a lot of time and, and a lot of money um, to make ourselves more efficient and prepare for the future is is the tech backbone of of how our you know our company operates. I remember when we started the company years ago, you know, a lot of our competitors were still using paper leases and and our clients were like flabbergasted when they found out they didn't have to come into an office or scan a lease. Um, you know, that's a very obvious example of of where our industry needs to go, but it's it's also very telling that, you know, only 3 or 4 years ago people were were still faxing leases um, so that's you know not only a, a waste of of our clients time but it's a valuable or it's a you know huge waste of, of our resources as well and when you can automate you know much of your business or automate lots of the, the pieces and parts of how your company works that that other folks are still doing manually you know you can you can either one increase your profitability or two increase your service because you have more time to to spend on what really matters and that's you know serving your clients and and responding quickly um you know a lot of a lot of what we do is to prepare ourselves to respond you know in 10 minutes or less and and there are circumstances where if it's over 10 minutes it's you know it's kind of upsetting the you know generations that are starting to come into money and spending money on things like corporate housing and, and luxury housing, expect everything immediately. Um, you know, even if it's not something you can do right away, just being available to respond and say, hey, you know, I'm acknowledging receipt, we're working on this, that goes a long way in, in customer satisfaction. Uh, so a big a big piece of what we've we've done is automate a lot of our, our sales process up until the point of the customer interaction so when somebody calls us and they have certain dates that they need you know it's a click of a button we input it we have all their options right at our fingertips so that we can immediately discuss what's available you know here's what I have here's what I'm typing up right now when in reality you're not typing it you're just pressing the button which makes the email but then you can still still put in you know some comments to, to make it personal um, but you get it out in a couple minutes and and the second you do that they stop looking they stop looking for other for other options at other companies and and I think that's a from a from a um, you know competitive standpoint that's that's a big deal so I think uh, in the future we're gonna see a lot of companies that can adapt and a lot of companies that can't um, 
you know, as a byproduct of, of getting too big, sometimes it makes it harder to quickly implement, you know, tech, technical or technological enhancements to your company. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, sort of the old way corporate housing works where, you know, you'll call, you'll wait a few hours, you'll get the response, then you'll talk to your client. I think the uh, I think the speed of the industry is is really going to um, you know exponentially increase and and it'll be interesting to see how everyone handles that. Um, another another large part of where I think the future is going is the you know the concept of computer systems talking to each other, um, API integrations via channel managers or even intercompany um, integrations where there's not direct access to information or availability, but there's you know as automated as you can get while still being comfortable keeping your you know your trade secrets together i think there's going to be some some interesting aggregator platforms that sort of connect different companies and and sort of make it a, a larger platform similar to what some of the, the third parties are doing today but i i think the i think the technical approach is is gonna is gonna really escalate um so i guess the general response to that question is it's all it's all tech and that's anything you can do to make it faster is going to make it better but in doing that you still have to maintain the human element because you are still talking to people it is a big decision even though it's only a month or two it's a lot of money so i think finding that balance is going to be important for the industry yeah and we've on uh, on other podcasts <clears throat> other episodes we've we've really gotten into ai and artificial intelligence and yeah, what will it mean when one, you know, your AI is talking to somebody else's AI or your artificial intelligence is talking to sort of a client's uh, personal assistant? Uh, that's an AI. So I think you're right that you start to have more of this automation. Again, ultimately, it's just to have a, a better consumer experience. But I, I like how you describe that, that tech backbone is that one thing that we do know is that we, all, we will have more tech <laughs> as we go into the future. But now, Colin, let me let me uh, go over to you. So Helen, as, as you're looking out into the future, what are you hopeful for as you as you see these generational shifts, as you see, again, more of the millennial and the Gen Z generations coming as employees and coming in as, as clients and customers? What are you hopeful for and what, what are you what are you cautious or what do you worry about? And what are the steps that, that you're taking today to, to move towards that positive? Yeah, just kind of touch on, you know, what Matt had discussed in a little bit like that. I mean, I think the backbone of our company coming from you know, that we came in with more of a tech mindset and things like that. I certainly think that's going to help us moving forward. Um, just to play off that a little bit, one of the things I'm most hopeful about in the coming areas is when we came into um, corporate housing, it was as a result of us being in a residential real estate background. We do a lot of residential full-term leasing in Chicago. We do a lot of residential sales in Chicago. So in seeing that, what was happening is a lot of you know inquiries, um, personal clients, things like that were touching base on shorter-term options. Um, they were going to be in town for three, six months, and none of the buildings that we worked with or clients that had properties, either, you know, the condo board or the management company, that wasn't an option. So we saw a hole in the market, and, and we started the process of putting something together that would service that. Now, obviously, that's become bigger with us being in, you know, two main cities plus, a, you know, a national presence now uh, and things like that. And, and us personally, you know, knowing that there's an actual corporate housing um world out there when we started that wasn't really what we called ourselves but it's it's been exciting and it's a and it's a cool growth industry that that we are happy to be a part of 
Um, but kind of in touching on that on what I'm hopeful for, it's that we started on an individual client basis. And what we've been noticing more and more in the corporate housing industry is that people in our generation are taking more control of the process. Uh, they certainly want it to be convenient and fast, but they also have taken control of the point A to point Z process of finding their own housing and then reporting back to the company with their, you know, allowance or what they found and things like that. We've even seen a nice chunk of the market that will take, you know, a company allowance from a company and actually cover a decent part on top of that just to get more into the neighborhoods they want to be and closer to work to where they want to be. And I think that kind of goes back to, you know, how I answered the first question on the podcast is it's all about convenience. They want to be close to their favorite restaurants. They want to be close to their favorite, you know, nightlife spots, um, grocery store, grocery stores, everything along those lines. So I think that what we're finding is from C-level executives to employees to contracted employees, everybody along the spectrum, people are taking more control of that process and calling people one-on-one. -on -one. Now, there's certainly still going to be a larger part of the market that um, will be the large corporations handling this for their employees. But I I think that a nice you know niche in the market and a growth part of the market that we've really serviced nicely is the you know one v one client that contacts us directly and we can be more personal in what they're looking for from furnishings to housings to type of buildings amenities all those things and kind of get them exactly what they're looking for which in turn you know they tell other people we found it things like that and it kind of starts that referral base uh, and things like that. As far as, you know, actions we're taking to prepare the future, obviously, you know, it, it sometimes feels like you're beating a dead horse. But as you said earlier, um, technology certainly isn't going to become a sm smaller part of our lives. So just continually staying on top of new trends, new ways of doing business and things like that, and never, never thinking that we've figured it out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we may have a good tech background today, but if we rest on our laurels, that may not be what everybody's using tomorrow. So constantly searching in the marketplace for different um, platforms, options, things like that, that make both our client experience better and our back of house experience better so that we can better service, you know, our clients and do things on a quicker basis and along the lines of what they're looking for in a provider. Um, so I think that's going to be very important, just kind of staying in, out in front of the game and, uh, you know, continuing to, you know, see what's out there that may help corporate housing and our company and the way we operate uh, work more seamlessly and better for our clients. Um, what worries me, I guess, is kind of the same thing along that tech side, um, striking that balance between having a very tech forward approach, but still keeping that people uh, person to person approach. Um, one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is we're extraordinarily proud of our staff. They're very intelligent. They work very hard. And, but they're also fun. When, when clients call in, I feel like there's a conversation being had that feels like it's a person talking to a person. When sometimes when you call into a company, you feel like they're scripted or they're, you know, we want to be there because every client's different. You know, every person wants a different building. Every person has something else that is their pain point that they want for the three months, six months, one month that they're here to be covered for them. And we want to try to find what that is so that they have the best experience possible. Um, so kind of striking that balance to where you don't become, you know, coming from a real estate backwards background, you know, real estate purchases are so large that people, although we're trending in the other direction and technology is becoming more important every day, people still are spending enough money that they want 
to talk to a person getting something specifically tailored to them. So I think it's going to be um, very interesting and very important to try to find that middle ground to still be somebody that they can talk to and you know say exactly what they need, but get those answers very quickly using technology and get the process done and off their plate so they can move on to, you know, more important things in their lives, um, as well. So I think you know you know finding that balance is going to be very important. Right, and and, and Colin, I want to I want to call out one of the the, the points that you make. I think it was it's a really interesting way that you put it when you're saying that. You're starting to see more and more of this new generation kind of taking control of the process. And from myself, when I kind of explain this to people, I, I often call it the, you know, iPhoneification of everything. And what I mean by that is, right, everybody now has a smartphone, has an iPhone, has a Samsung, Android, or what have you. And we're all kind of used to that and used to that as a personal tool and a, and a business tool. But, you know, everybody's smartphone is customized to them. So the apps that are on it, the look of it, sometimes even the case that's on it, the pictures that are on it. it, you're used to being able to personalize it and customize it, and it can evolve and change with you, you know, as you put different apps on, as you travel, or if you're not traveling, or if it's baseball season, or what have you, you have the ability to, to customize it, and you've got this, I think, mindset that I think um, even Matt mentioned it earlier on, that you're beginning to see this not just be a millennial thing or a Gen Z thing, but it really is kind of moving into the other generations and becoming that that expectation, and I think I think that speaks volumes for just how people now just approach this. Imagine it's not just about being able to customize your devices or your technology, but there's sort of services and experiences, much like the two of you are putting together, where you, you know, have that ability to customize. Um, so I think that, that's a really interesting way that they're really taking control of that process, and that's a and that's a good thing. So Marianne, I want to I want to pull you into the conversation. So. You spend quite a lot of time on the road, quite a lot of time talking to CHPA members, as well as just being out and about. You're sort of like our, our reporter on the street. So what sort of things have, have you been seeing as you've been going around uh, talking to folks? Well, I think your last point, BJ, um, building on Colin's point, was critical. And so I wanted to pick up on that when you were saying don't rule out other generations or don't just think about the customization or the tech for uh, or, for, or the convenience for uh, Gen Y and Z. So um, I think that's not only a generational expectation, I think it's becoming a societal expectation. It is a societal expectation. Um, and so people are willing to pay more and a premium for convenience. Um, I am not a millennial, um, but the CHPA team is a millennial team. Um, and so I work with uh, an entire millennial team. And so, um, you know, new ideas are fast and furious and being able to respond to that and the value that it, in, that it brings to uh, the association of CHPA members continues to grow and continues to evolve. Um, as do our events and as do the offerings of what we do through our events. That also continues to change, kind of like these podcasts. This is a new offering this year. Uh, the second point that you all talked about um, what are you seeing in the future or what am I seeing with member companies or what do they worry about in the future? I think succession planning is a challenge for some of our member companies. Um, it's something that they are going, they are going to face in the next five, 10 or 15 years. Um, either they have said, some have shared with me that they've seen the industry change so much that it's not necessarily, um, somewhere that they want to continue building their business or they started as a, a smaller family owned company and they don't have 
um, the next, you know, the next generation or anyone else um, in their family that wants to continue um, building the business. So how do they transition out of that? Uh, you know, what happens to it now? How, and they struggle with evaluating um, and and the valuation of their companies. Um, and I think part of that is because of some of the points that you mentioned, the speed of the industry. It continues to change uh, very rapidly. I think just the way business um, in general continues to change and the expectations continue to change. So what I'm seeing with newer companies, um, there's a low barrier, but by newer companies, I mean both newer in the corporate housing space and new to the association. Uh, there's a low barrier to ramp up a corporate housing company. Um, so we're... Uh, as an association, we're creating some best practices around what we're seeing are professional commonalities um, and competencies that um, we think that our, the clients are expecting from uh, companies in our space. Uh, and so that's part of what we do as an association to support them. For our established uh, member companies, it's really giving them more information uh, to stay competitive, so giving them access to some of the data. Um, to make informed decisions on their companies, if it's around tech, whatever it might be, around um, travel trends, you know, the work that you've done, some of the research you've done about the future of work, future of corporations, all the expectations that people are seeing and what they're, they're going to see and what we're talking about right here, what they're going to see in their clients and their expectations, sharing that information with them so then they can make uh, decisions for their companies for the future on how to expand and where to invest uh, their resources. And then the other thing that I think we do really well as an association is help keep those personal connections alive through those networking events, through the face-to-face -face, uh, discussions that our members have with each other. So we focus as on the CHPA team on the experience of the CHPA events, kind of like uh, Matt and Colin are, are uh, focused uh, for all the clients coming into their uh, apartments and their units on the experience that they have. The same, we want to create that same successful um, uh, and and uh, vibrant experience at CHPA events. That's great. I, I, I love that we can say, you know, CHPA powered by millennials. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. I'm glad, Marianne, that, that you brought that up. And oftentimes what, what I would tell folks, and oftentimes when I talk to people in boardrooms and, and executives, when they talk about, well, how do, what, what is a good way to prepare as you're starting to think about this generational shift moving and, and having, you know, uh, you know, culturally some things changing, from, even from a technology-wise thing changing. What I tell every executive is to get yourself a 13-year-old mentor. It's an important thing, and it can't be your daughter or your son. You get yourself a 13-year-old mentor because they're great. 13 is a great age because they still have one foot in being a kid and one foot in being a teenager. And so and getting just that raw feedback, it's always been really fascinating. I've actually had a lot of people over the years follow up with me and tell me about their 13-year-old uh, their mentors. Well, listen, Marianne, certainly some amazing guests and Matt and Colin, thank you so much. I mean, Marianne, you outdid yourself. We have an engineer and an ex-professional baseball player. I don't think you can get much better than that as guests. That's pretty cool, uh, but really, really well done. And so Matt and Colin, I want, want to thank you both for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate you and your, um, and your insights. So thank you very much. Yes, thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, hey, there was, uh, there, was, there was one more thing I wanted to mention if we've got a moment. Sure, go ahead. Um, one, of the, one of the things I, I didn't touch on that I meant to with, with what concerns me a, a little bit about the future and you know, the rapid explosion and use of tech is the, the number of 
platforms and, and aggregators that are kind of coming onto the market. Um, you know, it's every, every day you turn around and there's another company chasing you down. Hey, let's get your inventory on our, on our platform. You know, everybody's, everybody's trying to make a buck without actually having any units, you know, so everybody's seen the success of, of Airbnb and VRBO and some of these other companies that don't actually have any inventory. All they do is, you know, connect the client to the provider. Um, now there's certainly a, a space for, for companies like that. Um, you know, but not hundreds of them. Um, and the other thing that happens is you, you try to get on, you find yourself trying to get on so many different platforms that you can't possibly keep track of what you have out there, what you're advertising, what your prices are, what's your availability. So what happens is you get a, you get a decreasing level of quality in your, on your online presence when you try to do too much. And, um, you know, there's two ways to approach that. It's one, you automate everything with an API. So you have one central source of information so that everybody's updated simultaneously, or you pick and choose who you can work with. Um, because you can't, you can't work with everybody and, you know, it's not worth being on a platform for one lease a year. And that's been a, I've seen a, a, a trend that's been growing on the number of number of different platforms and you know how do you decide which ones are worth it and which ones aren't so that'll be that'll be an interesting phenomenon to to monitor over the next few years i think yeah and to really focus on i think as you're saying really focus on that roi that what, what what's it worth it and again that's part of what we try to do on the podcast navigating noise is to kind of call those things out that you know at some point you know, as you say, you know, you can't have a world of aggregators. You still have to have actually have units and actually have things and, and doing business. But it all it all isn't digital. As, as I as I like to tell folks that I work with, you know, you can't eat an app. Um, so you've got to be at least be able to sort of be rooted in the real world. So I think that's a, a healthy healthy skepticism uh, skepticism there. So again, uh, Colin, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Marianne, as always, thank you so much. You did a, you did a great job getting our experts in. And I appreciate it. So thank you, Marianne. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third and final section of the podcast that we call Three Things to Do. This is where we take the high-level futures that we discussed in the road ahead, mix them with the What Matters section where we talk to industry leaders in a specific area around a specific subject, and really wrap it all together and say, what are three things that you could do today to start preparing for this future? And as we normally do in this section, I want to welcome back Marianne Passy, the CEO of CHPA. Welcome back, Marianne. Thanks, BJ. So what a really interesting uh, episode. I think, you know, thinking about this new millennial and uh, Gen Z generation and that generational shift, certainly the perspective of Julia was, was fascinating. But then to actually have uh, two millennials. Well, actually, Julia is a millennial as well. So we actually had all millennial guests. Uh, so we are a, a podcast that is powered by millennials today. Having Matt and Colin, not only as millennials uh, doing business in the sector, but also interested how they're changing business and also how um, they are thinking of doing business maybe a little bit differently as well. So uh, a really interesting, uh, really interesting episode. Yes, it has been. So with that, let's, let's dive right into the three, three things to do. So I want to say our first of the three things to do is identify. Identify in your organization who owns the client or guest experience to make sure 
that the needs of this new generation are being met. I think it's, in, it's important, and that's one of the goals here on Navigating the Noise, is to say, all right, we know this is coming, and you hear a lot of talk about it. You see, read a lot of articles. There's a lot of ink, if you will, when people are talking about this new shift. But really, what can you do? And I think that's one thing, especially on the side of the, your business and the business for your organization, is who is that person who is really owns that experience and how, and how is that person making sure that this next generation, that their needs are being met? What did, what, what did you see in this, Marianne? Well, corporate housing is both a service and a product. So it, everyone, you know, I hear member companies say, and actually many companies say that this is everyone's job, right, to make sure that the needs of the consumer are being met and met well. In smaller member companies, uh, smaller member uh, corporate housing companies, this really is everyone. Uh, so it's very critical to articulate the experience uh, to make sure that everyone's on the same page. So everyone knows what the expectation is to meet the client needs. And um, I know of some companies that uh, empower every member of the team from maintenance staff to housekeeping um, on up through senior leadership. So at any touch point throughout the process of someone coming in their units, booking a unit, or staying in a unit, or even leaving a unit, um, that someone is in charge of ensuring that the experiencing, experience that they have um, is a good one. Um, I've even seen some member companies create flowcharts or step-by-step -step plans uh, revolving around the client experiences, uh, actually identifying who does what at every step of the way to ensure that the overall experience is enhanced and, and the most positive it can, it can be. Uh, medium and larger size companies often um, have the luxury of having a, a staff member or a couple staff members um, focus solely on making sure that uh, they offer uh, whatever the client may need. Um, so I know we're talking about uh, generations and, and younger professionals and the younger generations on this podcast, but um, I would say that that's not only true of just younger generation clients or guests. I think it's critical to stay on top of the trends that everyone expects, that everyone's experiencing in their own lives, in their own homes. You know, um, it's the, someone mentioned it earlier on the podcast, that people are used to the comfort and the technology that they have, that they can get in their own homes. And so when they travel, they want to continue that residential experience. And that's, that's some of the popularity um, of the uh, sharing economy, that they can stay in a, a, um, a comfortable home-like atmosphere. So that's what they're expecting, um, even in their corporate housing experience. Yeah, and I think it's that expectation. I think you make a very good point, Marianne, that you know, irregardless if you do something big or small, if you have a whole role or you do a flow chart, or maybe as you're listening to this podcast and you're a, you're a member of CHPA, that maybe you're small to medium-sized business that you believe it's, it's your responsibility. And, it's, and all of that's fine. Really, I think the idea is to understand that there's an expectation there and that things are shifting and changing, as they always have. But to have that conversation, I think it's a, it's a simple little step. It's a simple thing that you can do today is to identify that person and maybe start having that conversation with them, or if you were that person to start maybe having a conversation with somebody else in your organization, or maybe somebody else um, as another member of CHPA, just having those conversations, because it really is just a simple step that you can take today to, to prepare for that, that future and the, and the changes that are coming in the future to make sure that your organization is staying relevant. So that was number one. So number two, 
of the, of the three things that you can do is review. So review your hiring and HR policies. Are your policies millennial and Gen Z friendly? I think the, the, the two gentlemen, Matt and Colin, did a great job kind of calling out that they are taking very concrete steps. They are thinking of their staff in a different way. They're thinking about the physicality and the, the physical nature of their offices. Um, even thinking of how they throw parties and what that might be like and making sure that as you have more and more employees and more and more people part of your broader ecosystem being a part of this generation to make sure that their needs are being met, that they're being heard. And I, and I know, Marion, you do a lot of uh, work not only with uh, member companies and people outside of the industry and get to touch base with those, but also a lot of a lot of CHPA, a lot of the organization itself is actually fueled by millennials. So what, what, what have you seen in this area? It's very true, and I'm glad that Colin and Matt brought up um, you know, their office space a little bit because I was at a meeting recently at Pinnacle Furnished Suites, and their offices are very non-traditional, and you get that sense as soon as you walk in the door. It's, it's a very cool space. Um, I've traveled to many members' offices, and some are extremely traditional in how they're set up and and um, very corporate in their feel. And while that's not a negative, um, if you're looking to attract younger professionals or someone looking for um, a certain vibe, if you will, when they walk in the door, that could be seen as different um, to them and maybe not a place that is as welcoming of um, younger professionals. Um, and, and it may be completely untrue, but that's the uh, the the um, personality that you're projecting. So you take that into consideration as well. Um, I've also talked with some member companies that are smaller, um, and they do not necessarily have a formal recruitment plan in place. Um, so I do know that working with the millennials on the CHPA team, which is everyone um, except me, uh, that you know younger professionals want to know what the succession plan is and what the trajectory for their career is. So put some planning into place for this. You know there there needs to be some flexibility, whether it's just vacation time or working environments or just times of day. Um, members often also share that they are bringing younger and newer staff members to CHPA events because it gives them a better sense of an overall career path and profession versus just a job in a smaller company in um, um, a specific market. So um, really looking at how you're, you're hiring um, and, and try to be more progressive in your policies. I think that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, and that's why we say review, right? Review your hiring HR policies. I'm, and then we're not telling you to change them. Again, because all organizations are different. All organizations, like all individuals, are different um, and have their own culture, have their own um, values, have their own sort of the, the type of organization that you are. But uh, that, to Marianne's point, to, to sit down and maybe just have a have a think about that and have a conversation. Say, are your policies, are how you're reaching out to your new hires, how your office looks, is it reflective? Do you do you want to change it? Again, you take somebody like Matt and Colin, they are having more and more and more millennials and Gen Z work for them, so they're beginning to kind of shift what that looks like. But I think it's at least, again, that kind of simple step that you can take to take a moment, because everybody's super busy, and just kind of say, well, let's review it. Let's say, are we or are we not? And then you're making that decision. Again, you're not letting the future happen to you. You are actually making a decision as a business leader to prepare from an employee standpoint for this next generation. 
And finally, and this one I, I really want to call out comes really from uh, uh, what Marianne said early on, uh, earlier in the, in the podcast. So our, our third of the three things to do is consider your succession planning and your hiring needs, but really your succession planning. And, and I know, Marianne, you just mentioned this before, that I think that's a really interesting thing. In a, in a lot of industries that I do work in, succession planning is really hard. Um, and oftentimes people don't really think about what does that look like. Um, and I, I do work in agriculture, I do work in manufacturing, and a lot of these places that people aren't really thinking about what happens when I'm not there. And for some people, when they're not there, if they're the lead of a, of a small to medium business, it might mean that the business is going away. Well, that's fine. Then what's the succession plan of the business? Does that sort of move on and how does that go to some place else? But I think that uh, you, Marianne, rightly called out that when it comes to this generation of millennials and Gen Zs, they really are interested, as Matt and Colin said, and even as, as Julia alluded to, they really are interested in sort of what's their path, where, where are they going to go, as many young professionals are. But I think it's really important to start having that conversation. So I think you did a really, really good job in, in calling that out, Marianne, especially in the, the, in the What Matters section. What are you seeing out there? What are you seeing with, with folks in the industry? Well, um, I'm seeing that this is becoming an even bigger issue uh, for some member companies. There have been some really successful transitions to other family members in companies that began as a family-owned business. Um, and then there are others whose uh, family members um, do not want to necessarily continue it um, or have you know, interests in other directions. Um, and so they're not sure where to go from here. Um, while there have also been several sales in the industry, um, not everyone has an exit strategy. And I think part of that is the challenge that I've heard about uh, regarding the evaluation or the valuation of a corporate housing company. Uh, at times, the industry is not well understood. Um, and so there's not necessarily a lot of inventory that can be easily evaluated. And so um, I think member companies uh, need to consider what their exit strategy might be. And if you don't have the expertise on staff to uh, evaluate your company or value your company, um, then hire that um, and help uh, hire the help you need to kind of identify where you go from here. Um, also, I think the hiring needs uh, are going to be changing. I think they, they, I certainly see changing for our company. Um, and in light of the economy, I think this is an opportunity that um, our member companies can staff up differently. Uh, so I just mentioned hiring the expertise you need. You know, that may not be a full-time employee. Um, there are people, I just mentioned flexibility a bit ago, that are looking to uh, do the things they really love to do uh, and want to do it on a consultant basis or contractual basis. So I think that really offers up an opportunity for um, hiring needs and succession planning differently. Well, and, and that's certainly one of the things that Matt and Colin uh, brought out as well, was to say to remain flexible, to understand that the technological changes and certainly on other episodes of Navigating the Noise, we've had those conversations about artificial intelligence and around um, these new technologies that are coming out that you very rightly so, Marianne, as you call out, that it's going to be changing the needs and changing what you are going to need as a business leader from your new employees. So I think having, having that in the back of your mind as well can really help as you're thinking about Okay, so what does it mean? Where where do we want to go? But and and, and succession planning is always hard, but uh, it's always something that when uh, when you do it, and especially when you're on the backside of it, 
that uh, it's always it always always pays off, especially with with this idea that your employees that this could be something that would be attractive to them. So those are our three things to do: identify, review, and really consider your 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 succession planning. So. Um, what a fascinating show, Marianne. Again, great guests. I, I want to thank you so much for, um, for bringing those folks on and for joining me as well. So thank you. Thank you, BDJ. And thank you to everyone for listening to Navigating the Noise podcast brought to you by CHPA. Reach out to us and let us know what else you'd like to hear about or what else you'd like to ask BDJ or just to try and stump the futurist by emailing me at map at chpaonline.org. You can follow us on Twitter at CHPA Online or visit our website, www.chpaonline.org. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here on Navigating the Noise, brought to you by CHPA. We'll talk to you again soon.